I probably have many haters out there, but I'm owning it. And I, I hope that I can inspire women to set their own goals and to put their heads down and chase them and go break through ceilings. Um, and so I'll keep putting it out there in the hopes of inspiring women. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Liz Plosser, the editor-in-chief of Women's Health. Liz is one of the fitness industry's head honchos when it comes to content, but journalism definitely wasn't the first place her career started out. And ending up at the top of women's health was far from an overnight success story. Today, Liz and I discuss careers in health and fitness journalism, along with how content is marketed to women, and how that has changed dramatically over the last couple of decades. Also, I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbed Podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Liz, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And we're recording today, you're actually in the Women's Health office, which is a bit of a rarity during the time of COVID. So con- congrats for, for that. It's always a trip uh, from Brooklyn into Manhattan to go back into an editorial office, kind of like a rare treat these days. But I'm, I'm curious, and for folks who might not be so aware of, of what you do, what was the kind of professional path that you took to become you know, the editorial director of Women's Health, such a storied kind of famed uh, fitness brand? How, what, what got you there? Hi, David. Well, it's great to connect with you. And yes, I am um, currently in my sunny, beautiful offices in Columbus Circle area in Manhattan. Um, and you're right, I don't get up here very often. So it's a it's an extra special day to be on your podcast and also to be in my office building. Um, but to answer your question, um, I had a bit of a zigzag path to this position um, overseeing women's health. And that includes our print magazine, our social channels, video, and the digital website as well. Um, I would say the one constant has always been my passion for health and fitness. Um, and that was a huge part of my life from a very young age. I grew up playing sports as a kid in the Midwest. Um, and I've always been really interested in how to get my body to perform at its peak, whether um, that's through training or the, the food I eat, um, through meditation and mindfulness, all the things. Um, but it wasn't until I was 24 and in year two of my first job out of college as an analyst at an investment bank that I realized you could actually make a career out of your passion. It was like a lightning bolt moment, um, which serendipitous, serendipitously happened while I was training for my first marathon. Um, probably something I decided to do because I knew I wasn't in um, like the sweet spot and the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I was looking for an outlet for my energy and thoughts and feelings about that. And it was really over those long training runs that I began saying out loud to strangers who became my friends, um, my training partners, my running partners, um, how much I loved health and fitness and nutrition and writing and editing and reading magazines. And you know, these people who just were getting to know me were like, that 
that you should go chase that dream. Um, so that's when it all began, which is now, you know, I'm 41. So a bit ago. Um, and through a series of magical events, um, a lot of networking, a lot of hard work, I got my first job in magazines um, as an editorial assistant itself and worked my way up the ladder there, did a little detour in Chicago while my husband was getting his PhD. Um, I, I worked at a weekly magazine called Time Out Chicago, overseeing all of our wellness content Came back to New York, um, which was such a unicorn move. Not very many people do that, especially having had kids along the way. And just continued on this trajectory. But um, I did step outside of the media space for a bit. I went to SoulCycle, where I oversaw all of their content, which means words um, and storytelling across every channel from the signs in their windows to the emails that hundreds of thousands of writers would get. And then um, I went to Well and Good, which is a uh, wellness and lifestyle digital focus brand. And the the one constant beside my love for the health space was also um, just that I kept getting dream job after dream job. And I just always stayed open-minded and connected to amazing humans in my universe. Um, and as people scattered and opportunities arose... Um, I got the call to chat with the folks at Hearst about the job at Women's Health um, as editor-in-chief overseeing the brand. And I, I mean, I say this from my heart of hearts, I was a super fan of the brand. I remember vividly when it launched more than 15 years ago and seeing it on the newsstand. So it was truly a dream come true um, to, to score this job and to be in the role that I am. But I do think... I'm glad for that zigzaggy path because I think it's given me such a 360 degree point of view on how women um, engage with this type of content, how they're consuming it, what our blind spots are and growth opportunities are. Um, so it was a long way of saying living the dream. <laughs> thank you for, uh, thank you for going into that. And I think that sometimes it's, it's, it's fun to be reflective on your journey, but it can also be a little bit scary because especially if you're in the editorial space and you're in the content space like like you and I are, you realize some of it was serendipitous and some of it was luck. And it was just kind of remembering this person, this person happened to know who you are. And imposter syndrome is a real thing. It's a real thing for a lot of people. But in the digital content space, things move very quickly. So um, I appreciate you sharing that. It's something when folks have asked me about kind of my own journey, I'll, I'll clam up actually. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I won't really be able to, to kind of give that 10,000 foot view. I'm curious because... Your move into the editorial space into to wellness content has coincided with a renaissance in many ways of fitness and a diversification of fitness outlets. Nowadays, you can do more than just bodybuilding and running. It seems like when, when in the early 2000s, that was like what dominated newsstands oftentimes. Get skinny, get beach ready, get muscular or, or running content. Now we have so many options. Strength sports, I mean, the proliferation of strength sports is why Barbend exists. So I'm curious, what trends have really stood out to you over your you know, 15, 16, 17 years in fitness content as hugely impactful and as really game-changing for how we cover fitness? That is such a great point. And I do think you and I, having seen the evolution of this space over the past couple of decades, it's just like mind boggling how much bigger it's gotten, how much people have learned, how many, how, how many modalities are covered these days. I, 
I can remember my very early days as an editor, um, you know, back when I was 24. And one of the toughest parts about my job was sleuthing out the newest, coolest, best stuff. Now it's quite the opposite. The big piece of my job as an editor and that many of my editorial team members take on every day is sort of like um, curating all the clutter that's out there. It's like the, the problem is almost there's so much stuff and um, we really see our job as one, being, being people who live and breathe fitness and wellness, uh, which means that we are actively trying everything and learning about it and putting it through its paces on our own. But secondly, that we're um, bringing in experts, doctors, researchers, PhDs, the latest science, all the studies that are out there to really um, put that lens on these topics so that our readers are making informed decisions about what they try and don't try. And that's not to say... Um, a fad training modality or nutrition, something or other, isn't going to be something that we're, we would nag or tell readers to walk away from, but we want them to have the, the evidence and the education to make that decision for themselves. Um, so that there's that piece of it. Two, um, I agree with you. It's gotten so much bigger than running and strength training. I would say one of the biggest flip-flops I've seen is um, just sort of the way people are now talking about how important strength training is and that it's not all about burning as many calories as you can on a run. Um, And I feel like for so many years, that was a big part of my job was convincing women to pick up weights. And that, um, I I mean, I, I remember this, but before I worked at Women's Health, many years before, when I was in Chicago freelance writing, I pitched a story to Women's Health about, um, it was called cardio versus strength training because I wanted to dig into the science and really understand which was better. I felt like that was one of the burning questions of the time. Um, and the answer is, as you know, it's complicated, it depends, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that that was like an inflection point when the, the world woke up thanks to brands and content and enough people talking about it to understand that running, and I love running, I'm a runner, is not the be-all, end-all. What else? Um, I would say just in the very recent past, and this this was definitely something gaining momentum before we came into the pandemic, but just the rise of virtual fitness. Um, I, I joke sometimes that I feel like I've earned a PhD in digital fitness at this point. I've like tried everything out there, all the platforms, all the equipment. Um, and I, I worked on projects before before people had adopted it. And this was like part of our norm. So to see those early days when we were trying so hard, I worked on a platform called Cosmo Body uh, back when I worked at Cosmopolitan Magazine, which was literally streaming fitness content, like highly produced, amazing workout videos with exceptional trainers. And honestly, it didn't take off, but this was back in 2014. So it was like ahead of its time. And now you look at the way the world is and whether through sheer force of momentum or because of um, the lockdown orders and for everybody's health and safety, virtual fitness is like, you know, just absolutely exploded. So those are just a couple of examples that come to mind. I, I want to dive into the the, the very the very recent past and as, as your time over the course of your time at women's health, um, what have been some of the reader patterns or interest patterns you've seen? Because 
look, I, I, I get a feeling that your team's a little like my team and that we can get really data-oriented, right? And we love looking at search trends, what's resonating with readers, what's falling flat and why it's falling flat. That's almost the worst thing. You produce a bunch of content on something that you think is going to really hit home and no one really engages with it and you have to figure out why. What have been some of the things that your readers maybe not just in lockdown, but even before COVID, your readers have really started to grab on in ways that might have surprised you? Great question. And you're exactly right. We we are obsessed with the data too. Um, not just because we're geeks, but also because we want to make sure that we're serving up content that our readers want to be reading. Like, what's the point if it's just sitting there and, and nobody cares about it? Um, to, that, to that point, I think... One thing I have noticed um, is that our readership, they tend to be incredibly busy. They're high performers in all parts of their life. And so they want their workout to be efficient and effective. So that means that a lot of our, our articles that we write about 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you know, short, short but hard spurts are things that really resonate with them. Um, another another big takeaway we have from our audience is that you know, layer on different modalities, whether it's weights or resistance bands or kettlebells, um, there are certain body parts that they're particularly interested in. And for our audience, um, the butt is the biggest one. Um, People are looking for stronger glutes. Um, People also want stronger cores. Call it it an abs workout, call it a core workout, but um, they're definitely looking to power up their, their powerhouse center. And then I would also say arms workouts are highly uh, trafficked on our website. But, um, and then there's, you know, just the pulses of what's trending in the universe. So I would say right now, kettlebells is a really big thing. Um, and I've, I've personally gotten really into them during lockdown. It's funny. I tried to get my hands on a second kettlebell um, and it took months. I finally found one at Target. Good luck. <laughs> I know, right? They like it ebbs and flows. It's like this um, secret society. If you can, you can find out who's got a kettlebell in stock right now. Then hurry and get on and grab it. Um, but that that was so fascinating to me because as I personally was trying to stock up my kettlebell equipment, at the same time, those stories were really taking off our website. I'm interested when it comes to the body part specific stuff or workout specific stuff. Yep. We, we see that on Barbin too. And we're a much newer brand. We're you know four and a half years old as opposed to 15 years old. And, and brands operate differently. Sites operate differently when you have a legacy of over a decade of content. Whereas you know, I, I see us now. We're, we're not one of the new. We're not one of the new kids on the block anymore, which is kind of weird to think about. Glutes. That's the that's the hot thing right now. You write an article about glute training, whether it's for serious hardcore strength athletes or the general population. That's like such a hot thing right now. It hasn't always been the case in fitness content. Why do you think that is? Do you think that's because people, maybe maybe women, maybe not just women, are more accepting of? of adding mass these days? Not everyone's just working out to be skinny. Like, What do you think might be behind the trend there? I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Speaking of inflection points or trends that we've seen over the years, for sure, this is, in my mind, one of the happiest trends. Um, Sort of the, the waving goodbye to those those headlines of yore and cover lines that were like about getting a beach body in two weeks and lose 10 pounds in 10 days. And, Oh, you just just sort of gives me the shivers and the cringes even thinking about it. I'm very glad those days are behind us. Um, Mostly, mostly behind us. We should say mostly behind us. They are women's health. I'm proud to say they are, they were um, that those type of cover lines were 
sunsetted by my predecessor and that amazing editorial team. And I was very happy to carry the torch on in that realm um, and to even take it further. But yes, I do think um, there, there has been an enlightening, particularly among women, that heavyweights does not equal um, masculinity or building bulkiness. Um, thank goodness we've, we've finally reached this point. So yeah, I think there's all of that. And then I, I mean, the, the peach emoji that everyone uses on Instagram, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, but like, um, more power to women, you know, that's, that's awesome. I think at women's health, what we're, we try to be careful about is one, we would never shame you or judge you or chide you for wanting to look a little cuter in your jeans if that makes you feel healthier and happier from the inside out. Um, but two, we're, we are always going to spotlight the amazing benefits of that that are also inside and outside. So whether that's um, that you're going to be able to uh, push off with every step on your run with less effort and um, a smoother gait and ultimately run faster and easier and feel happier during your workout. You know, we try to highlight those positive benefits as well. Let's talk a little bit more about women and, and strength training. And I can point to a lot of different things over the course of my time in digital content. And this is coming from a male perspective, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, I can only, we can only speak to our lived experience at a certain point, even as journalists, which is always something that like, I wish more people kept in mind. But um, uh, do you think that, I mean, this is, this is kind of a toss-up question, but I have something else I want to get to. Do you think the female reading population right now is is more accepting of strength training than it was early on in your career? And and if so, you know, how much of a difference is there? Yes. I mean, I'm I'm just taking a pause because I'm thinking about what comes after the and, but the answer is unequivocally yes. They are more accepting. They are searching for it. Um, you know, having having worked in fitness on creating fitness content in the early 2000s to where we are now, it's, it's almost like a different world. Um, and I also, I guess I should say I'm speaking in very broad strokes. Like I want to, I want to recognize that it's not like the entire female population like woke up overnight and understood this, you know? Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to oversimplify it or, um, sound, I don't know. I, I, I understand that people have different levels of comfort and knowledge about it. Um, in many ways, I think of it almost as a spectrum from the, the, those who are curious to those who are very confident and you fall somewhere along that spectrum. But um, I do think that that spectrum has included many more women who are curious about strength training and know that there are benefits and just want to learn more about it. Um, so did I, did that, Someone answer yeah. your question. Yeah. I also should have done a better job couching that because I, I don't mean to imply that prior to the year 2003, for example, there weren't women who were strength training. There is a long history dating back literally thousands of years. And yeah. at Barbend, we work with a lot of strength sports historians. That's an actual thing. That's an actual yeah. job, awesome. by the way. You can be a strength sports historian. Um, of, of, of women really pushing the envelope on human performance, not just women's performance, but human performance when it comes to, to strength, even dating back to ancient times, right? And, and the, in the past century, you have women like Abby Stockton, who you know, were creating the first sanctioned weightlifting meets for women in, in the 40s, all the way up to you know, the, the women who 
broke a lot of boundaries competing in weightlifting at the 2000 Olympic Games. I think a lot of people are shocked when I tell them that actually weightlifting wasn't a women's Olympic sport until the year 2000, which, which is kind of shocking yeah. if you think about yeah. it. Who do you think are some women uh, along your own journey and viewpoint since you've been on the editorial side of things who have made a positive impact as far as bringing strength training to the masses? Anyone stick out to you in your experience? That's a great question. I mean, the first thing that pops in my brain is how many amazing female athletes there are out there as role models, whether it's, um, you know, the U.S. women's national soccer team, um, gymnasts, tennis players like the Serenas and Venuses, and even runners. You know, we were talking about running, but fantastic, you know, long and short distance runners who are setting new records. And I think one of the commonalities they all share is that they are strong proponents of how lifting weights has been total game changer in their athletic performance. So in some ways it's like organically built into who they are and the great heights and achievement that they've all reached. Mm -hmm. That makes, I mean, that makes sense. I think that we talk about, um, CrossFit released this video a few years ago in response to someone posting. I don't know the exact story. This might be, uh, I might be getting this slightly wrong, but um, there's someone published an article. It wasn't women's health uh, that, you know, women shouldn't do pull-ups or shouldn't work toward pull-ups. Uh, oh, so, I'm going to take issue with that. I don't you're, know, you're, if you know you're, about you're, my pull-up journey. <laughs> I wanted, uh, this is a segue. I did this, pur- <laughs> I did this purposely. And then, you know, CrossFit, which had a, an internal media department at the time, released this video of about like, oh, women shouldn't do pull-ups. And then every member of, their media department who was a woman just started banging out pull-ups on the video and it was awesome. Pretty yeah. cool. Pretty cool to see. But then you think like, okay, women doing pull-ups. Well, high-level gymnastics has been a thing for a long time. And what they're doing is a is a heck of a lot harder than a pull-up. You know, you show me an elite gymnast who can't bang out 20, 30 strict pull-ups, um, I'm gonna be shocked. Right. So it's it's not like we didn't know that women we're capable of these things. It has to do with more of a um, an acceptance or a realization that these limits are often false. Like women shouldn't do pull-ups. That shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a rule. That doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense. We've seen women doing pull-ups for decades and decades and decades. Things a lot harder than pull-ups. I am curious on the pull-ups front. This was all just an excuse to get me into the segue <laughs> on you sharing your own uh, pull-up journey because I think it's something that we don't often see in this space, we see people who are well-known in the strength community or the fitness community um, on the journalism side, kind of, it's easy to hide behind that, not that we're doing that purposely, but Mm -hmm. you shared a lot of your own journey as someone working toward these strength goals. Why was pull-ups such a big thing for you to share? Oh man, pull-ups. Well, you know, the truth is, there's a lot to unpack there. One, (laughs) there's a lot to unpack, including how much of myself I share. I mean, I I probably have many haters out there, but I'm, I'm also, I'm owning it. And I, I hope that I can inspire women to set their own goals and to put their heads down and chase them and go break through ceilings. Um, and so I'll keep putting it out there in the hopes of inspiring women. Um, because I'm not an elite athlete. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a normal human with a few kids and a job. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best, like, like everybody else. So, um, hopefully if, 
there's a teeny bit of inspiration another human can take from my social, then that makes me happy. But to answer your question specifically about pull-ups, I had always thought that it looked so cool and badass and hardcore and wouldn't that be amazing? What would that feel like to get your chin above the bar? And I'm talking about like, even as a kid and I try, I've tried doing them here and there throughout my life. And like, I'm just, you know, eking out like an inch up, not nowhere even close. It's like a mountain distance away to get above the bar. And, um, I articulated to a good friend and a, a excellent trainer, Angela Gargano. Um, she's an amazing athlete. We've had, her, we've had her on the podcast. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. She's a, an American ninja warrior, um, finalist and just, just an all around awesome human. She, when I told her about my far fetched dream of getting a pull up, and this was in late May of 2019, she was instantly like, Oh, we can get you a pull up. You, you can do this. And I was like, I don't think you understand. Like I've never, I'm, I'm so far from that. And she's like, let's see you do one. And she actually filmed my first pull up. So it's great. Cause we have the, the proof of where I started and where I ended. Um, and it's just, as I described it, I was just sort of floundering, et cetera. And I learned so much about myself on that journey that doing a pull-up, yes, it does require core strength, upper body strength, um, you know, specific muscles that you recruit, but it's also about breaking down that movement and drilling specific um, mobility exercises um, and really just like understanding how the body's muscles work together to smoothly pull you up to get you up. It, it was, to me, it felt like a microcosm of life in many ways. You know, you've got to like break something apart and get really good at each, each individual step and then practice, 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 putting them all together. Um, you don't get better at pull-ups necessarily by trying to bang out as many pull-ups as you can. I mean, sure, eventually you'll get better, but there's, there's a much more efficient, productive way. So, um, you know, in true Liz fashion, once I put it out there and she said I could get one, I was like, okay, that's it. And my editor's letter that we're shooting in 17 days, I want to be, I want to do a pull-up. And <laughs> I don't necessarily recommend giving yourself a deadline though, as an editor, perhaps that's, you know, part of my MO. So I worked my ass off to get to the point where when we were at that photo shoot and they had like the, the amazing crew that put it all together, brought in a pull-up bar that I was going to be able to get my pull-up that day. And I did, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of work. And then, um, in early 2020, back in January, I put it out into the universe and I had sort of a secret goal that had been brewing ever since I got the first one. And then I got like two or three, um, that I wanted to get 10 in 2020, which felt like this Herculean number to me. Um, and man, David, it's been, it's been a ride. I'll, the, the happy headline here is that I just got my 10 a couple weeks ago, but I did not know that in the meantime that, um, I would break my sacrum skiing way too fast, that we would be in the middle of a pandemic and I wouldn't have access to the gym and pull up bar and all the tools I needed. And then three that I would like suddenly get scheduled for this surgery, um, that I've been putting off for a long time and only have until November nine to get the 10 pull-ups. So between all of those things, I got, I got my 10 pull-ups and I couldn't be happier. And I can, I'm here to tell you, and probably your listeners know this because they're all, um, 
superstars in their own right, but it does feel pretty freaking awesome getting above the bar each time. Hitting hitting any personal goal is is yeah. amazing. And I love that when I was growing up, I distinctly remember my first memory of a woman doing a pull-up, right? Was Linda Hamilton oh, yeah. as Sarah Connor in the second Terminator movie. And not to give so anything badass. away. Yeah. So bad. I don't know if you see that. Well, there's it didn't get great reviews, but the most recent Terminator movie, she was still badass. She's still in amazing shape. But like that shows how big of a nerd I am that I'm like thinking back to Terminator 2 <laughs> early 90s. But like for a long time, that was all that we had seen of women doing outside of gymnastics, of women doing pull-ups in media. And the good news is you don't have to look like Linda Hamilton to do pull-ups. I think that created this weird cognitive dissonance for a lot of people. It did for me that's like, well, women can do pull-ups, but they have to, they have to be, you know, under 10% body fat and and look like look like badass mom Sarah Connor, right? You can be right. a badass mom and not look like Sarah Connor and still do pull-ups. Like Linda Hamilton. 100%. I don't think, you know, very few people listening to this podcast will ever be that level of like ripped and have guns like that. But um, kudos to you for putting it out there and for, for sharing that journey. And also kudos to you for uh, getting to 10 in in far less than a year and were you doing pull-ups on your fire escape was that what i saw (laughs) yeah that's um that's what i eventually started to do the the, i have a little postage stamp size backyard spot in my apartment in brooklyn and we have a fire escape that hangs down and it is not ideal like it's too (laughs) narrow i wish you could come over maybe after after we get through the pandemic i'll have you over and we can do a pull-up um work out together, swing some kettlebells together, but the grip is, it's, it's, uh, not super comfortable. Um, but you know what? It looks very cool and gritty with the like white brick behind it. And you take what you can get these days. It's very Rocky esque, like the fourth Rocky (laughs) movie. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give, keep on with the pop culture references, you know, like, like training with what you've got. And just to clarify, uh, like myself, I believe Liz, Liz lives in a, like a garden level apartment. Yeah. So when I say doing pull-ups off a fire escape, it wasn't like she was on a tall building oh, and God, off no. her fire escape for dear life. I really realized, I realized I, I didn't paint that picture very clearly. So that is one way to motivate yourself to do a pull-up, I guess. Yeah. It's funny. Um, it, it's so many people DM me on Instagram with like, it's incredible what, people are out in the world doing, but Angela, like Ninja Warrior style women who are like parkouring off of scaffolding or doing pull-ups in crazy places. And they're all like, is this your next site? And I'm like, uh, no, but I'm very much inspired by these superhumans. Well, look, if you ever want to do a women's health and bar band collaboration on like the urban ninja, we can a hundred percent do that. We'll make that Let's work. Let's do it. I love that. We should get that URL before we release this podcast. We should. We should definitely get to grab that. <laughs> Liz, what is the best place besides women's health, of course, for people to keep up to date with the work you're doing and you know your efforts to... I say your, your, your efforts in, in fitness, but I'm, I'm sure you're going to have some more goals in 2021. Where's the best place for people to keep up to date on that? Um, probably my Instagram, which is uh, my handle there is at Liz Plosser, L-I-Z-P-L-O-S-S-E-R. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing a bit about your journey in fitness content, your journey in fitness, and your, your view on what is a rapidly changing landscape in this space. So I really appreciate that. It was a pleasure talking to you, David. Thank you for having me. 